live. Oh, we're live now. All right, cool. Hopefully this also records as well. Anyway, welcome to Sunscrap Nation's podcast. Your host as always, Daniel Jonas. Here, back again, Charlotte, North Carolina. It is March 8th, 2023, uh, around 10 o'clock. So we're live on YouTube. Hello, YouTube. And hopefully this will also record um, so I can post it later. Um, actually, I don't need to post it later. It should just record on YouTube. So perfect. I'll just take the audio from this and you guys will be able to listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and all those other listening apps as well. Remember, before we continue to hit the subscribe button, because if the more you subscribe and the more the more people will see it and I can bring you more stuff and da 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 it'll grow and we all know. Also hit that noti bell so you know when I'm live and you can put this on when you're working or if you don't have any work, you can put this on at home and you can watch me in real time and ask me questions possibly. I think I can answer those. We'll, f we'll figure all this out. Um, but today what we'll be going over is UFC 285 and John Jones's amazing performance and Alexa Grosso's awesome ability to take the championship from the uh, Valentina Shevchenko and anything else from that card that I saw that I like to talk about, especially my boy Shavkot. That was an awesome performance on his part. And I liked a lot of things that I saw in that fight that I wasn't completely on the train before because I was on the, you know, there are two sides of the fence in MMA. I guess people are standing on one side is Chimaev's the next big thing. And then the other side is no Shavkot is and Watching Chimaev already have his, as I as you would say, his like fight, his dog fight. Um, we got to see that out of Shavkat finally. Like, does when the tough gets going, what happens? And then what else on that card? You can talk about Bo Nickel as well. You know, prospect now four and zero, which is pretty big deal, especially if your first UFC fight is on the pay per view. Um, so you're getting pay-per-view points, which is pretty cool. So what, should they have should they have fast-rolled him out of the Dana White Contender Series and given him a fight right away? Yeah, probably. But if I'm Bo Nickel, I'm like, fuck yeah. Give me two. Or, sorry. Give, frick yeah. Uh, give me two. Uh, give me two Dana White Contender Series fights. Not the toughest competition. And then put me onto the pay-per-view so that way I get pay-per-view points at least if all doesn't go well. But doesn't have to worry about that, luckily for him. And then obviously we'll go going in, ugh, we'll be going into MMA news, whatever happened in the week, whatever happened is going to happen this week and then we'll go into what's going to happen this weekend with the UFC Fight Night cuz they don't stop rolling. As Burt Watson used to say. For those that don't remember, there used to be like this hype man in the back his name is Burt Watson. Was one of the best guys as far as when you were getting ready for fight night. You you would hear him in the back. He'd be like, we're rolling. And he would just, he would get the production team moving. Uh, he moved on to, I think, other promotions or whatever. But he was, he was cool. I was like a cool, he, it was like a cool little thing that you don't really think about. Like It's almost like the gold, like Mike Goldberg the commentator 
I like everyone that we have now. Don't get me wrong. But the Joe Rogan, Mike Goldberg back and forth was just great. Like it's it just it's quintessential to to the UFC. And I think Burt Watson is part of that. Like when you heard him, when you heard Rogan and um, uh, Goldie, like when you heard those two, you knew what was going like it. Now it's not to take anything from John Anik or Brendan Fitzgerald, but they're they're commentate they're like they're announcer voices they're not anything they're almost like they're trying to not emu- uh, like not emulate goldie but it's kind of like the same cadence and then you can throw any fighter in there and it's pretty much it's good commentating i'm not going to take that away i mean obviously it's a it's a but i think if we once we lose rogan it'll definitely feel different from the 2010s early 2000s it'll feel different All right, let's get this started with, also, if you're in Charlotte, come train with us. Sons of Crap Nation, come to the dojo, come to the studio. One-on-ones available all the time, except for times that they aren't available because I have one-on-ones already. But majority of the time, they're available. Um, I can come to you. You can come to me. Um, I work with at Triumph as well. We do some cross-training, MMA nights, Tuesdays, Thursdays, 8.15. Come for the stuff earlier. We got they got Justine Kish there. She teaches Muay Thai. It's a great class. Um, former UFC fighter, so definitely come by. And then on top of that, what else? Charlotte Jiu Jitsu Academy always stop by. They're great. Open mats. Come by. Open mat striking at CLT Muay Thai Charlotte Jiu Jitsu Academy. Same place, but we do striking Saturdays and Sundays at eleven. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Punch each other in the face. Kick each other in the legs. Fun times. And then obviously always come by. Stop by. Say hi. I'd love to train with anyone that listens. I think that's fun. And I can help you all out. Alright. So let's go over this past weekend at UFC 285. What happened? What are the big stories? Obviously we'll start with the main one. John Jones. Cyril gone. Makes it look easy. I mean, I can... <laughs> don't get me wrong. From all the shit I talked... Thursday... When did I do it? Tuesday? I think I, ta- I think I did it Tuesday. When I did the breakdowns Tuesday, all the way up until Saturday night, Sunday morning. The just crossing my fingers that John Jones does it. And like... I haven't been nervous for a fight in a while. I mean, besides my own fighter, but I mean, UFC fight. I haven't been nervous in a while. But this one, just, I was laying back in a lazy boy and I put the leg rest down and I got to the edge of the seat and I'm like, come on, jump. But, I mean, goat, obviously. First off, goat in the sport. And you can say whatever you want. His picograms, they got overturned. So as much as I, as much as there's controversy there and then controversy in his personal life, what happens in the cage, my opinion is if you, that all aside, he is the fighter that he is against anybody in the world. He's pound for pound and he's the greatest of all time. His accolades, his achievements on top of the weight class he does it at and how he does it and against who. And then on top of all that, 
right now he's competitive. And then if you were to put him in there against the top pound-for-pound pound fighters, Islam and Volk, obviously John comes out of there a champion because he's now a heavyweight. So, technically about the fight, what to break down about it? First off, on the mental warfare front, it all starts before the fight, and John was saying all the right things. I mean, during the embedded, you saw Cyril Gon playing his FIFA. I mean, he's top 60 in the world in FIFA. You gotta keep up appearances. Don't care if it's fight week. If you got games, you got games. Um, he's playing FIFA during embedded, and John's watching tape, and John comments because he then watches the embedded because he's just... I mean, he, any psychological advantage he can take, he's trying to tune in for it. When he saw one, he's like, while well, he's playing video games, I'm studying combat. Perfect. By the end of the fight week, it just seemed like, mentally, John wants to improve his legacy. He wants to do things that others have never done. Cyril Gone just seemed happy to be there. And you saw that... All the way up until the walkout, John gets to... Cyril comes out and does the thing. Does the walkout. The one thing about the mental aspect of the game is, for example, when John comes out for his walkout, he doesn't walk out until Champ is here. He lets this... He lets the... The God gave me style, God gave me great. He, let, he lets that all play out. He doesn't, so the crowd, I mean, for at least 30 seconds to a minute, no one's walking out. It's dead quiet. And Cyril's just standing there like, what is happening? Then finally, you see him on the screen. Champ is here. He walks out. He does this whole thing. But instead of getting to the commission, instead of getting to the referees to get the grease on and check the fingernails and do the whole body check and everything, he sees his parents. He says, oh, what's up? And he goes and he you know, hugs his mom, dad, family. He gets a little prayer in. He says what's up to everybody. He then has personal messages from each one of his coaches. And then they have the, and then he goes, and then he gets all that stuff on, the grease and everything. Obviously, the, the toe getting wrapped and the foot getting wrapped. John's broke his toe, so he's got like a lingering injury issue that, understandable. And so he wraps his toes. And he says that if he never, if he's not allowed to wrap his toes, he's not going to fight. Once again, understandable. You're the GOAT. You're the champ. You can do what you want. But all plays into, while all that is happening, what is Cyril Gone doing? Standing half naked in a cold-ass arena. Just trying to get warmed up. You did all that warming up in the back. The reason why you blow your legs out, you do a really good warm-up to the fact that you're sweating before you fight, is because it's a warm-up, but you're also you're getting your body ready. Because then there's going to be that moment where you have to sit there, wait, where you walk out to is a cold arena. What you walk out to is typically cold, unless you fight outside. But typically it's cold. The mat's kind of cold. Like everything is the antithesis of what you need to be. And that's warm, loose, and flowing. And John came out. He was dancing. All these little things that once he was doing that, I was like, oh, it's a wrap. And my biggest thing, my biggest personal thing. To know if it's a good night for John is this. If he goes out there and does his quintessential handspring, one-handed, he didn't do it this time because I'm sure the added weight makes it a little bit harder to do one-handed. But he would do the one-handed handspring. Now he did he did the two-handed. Two 
But he did that, and I go, oh, yes, I don't. Think about all the fighters. Think about all the fighters that have, like, crazy walkouts, and sometimes they overdo it. But even think about the fighters that have, like, Izzy will dance or whatever. None of them do a handspring. The sheer athleticism and, like, ability and confidence to do that before a fight and the body control and all those little things. Like, that's what makes him a phenomenal athlete. Most people are super nervous. But to do just a handspring in the middle of the cage and then get to your... These are the little things. And watching him before I was a coach and watching him now as a coach, it's, like, different. I get to see two different sides because before I was watching him as a fan, I'm just like, oh, that's John. That's fun. Now I have to watch every single little aspect and see what is the benefit, what makes him who he is, and analyze him as a person and an athlete. And that's those are little things. As an athlete, as a coach, you're not worried so much about more as a coach, you're not so worried about like the the walkout and all that. That's all personalized towards the fighter. Do what you feel is best. But as a coach, I'm kind of telling an athlete, don't waste your energy. Don't do a front handspring. Also, you could slip. You could hurt yourself. But John is just, he's that guy. He's him. And so we get into the fight. Fight happens. They touch gloves. Da, 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 da. I don't even know if they touch gloves. John stalks him. Obviously, he gets kicked in the nuts. First two seconds. Open stance versus open stance. John throws an inside leg kick. It slides kind of up John. John's like ducking for a jab. He gets right back in there. Kind of slows down the pace of the fight. You know? I mean, in Gon's... What that could have worked in Gon's favor is it could have just slowed it down and got his his bearings a little bit better. But it didn't. John just took it. Took a little bit of time. He, he wanted the rep to acknowledge that that happened. He was seeing that there was different things happening that night. There were little fouls and stuff that weren't getting acknowledged. So he just wanted to make sure that it was acknowledged. And... That he set a precedent for the rest of the match. Like, if it happens, I'm getting my breaks. In case things happen. Eye pokes, whatever. Throws an overhand left hand. And they they move around. So then Gon throws his right, his power right, down the middle. John slips, gets his head off center line, and he immediately grabs a body lock. These are things that I even teach uh, Xavier, my amateur fighter, and anyone that I, I coach. In MMA, specifically, in boxing, right? When you slip a punch, the purpose of slipping a punch isn't to slip and move your head away. It's not to pull your head back. It's to slip and get inside so you can throw your own shot, right? If I slip to the outside of my jab, I have my right hands loaded, and I can throw an uppercut, right hand, and I can beat their hand back to the position. That's why I'm slipping. I'm slipping to get inside, maybe touch him to the body with my left as I do, or my lead, and then throw my power side as it's loaded before their hand ex- comes back. In MMA, or even in kickboxing, I can slip and throw a leg kick. There's more tools and pathways I can take. But if I know my opponent's weakness is wrestling, and I'm slipping, and I know the purpose of slipping is to close distance and get inside, why not just wrap around them? 
grab the body lock, which he did, which is the, the most extremely powerful position. Because what your opponent has to do now with a body lock is fight the hands. And if you're not fighting the hands and breaking the grips, you're not going anywhere. So John, now being 250 pounds, drags Cyril to the ground and does something very, very smart. He sits back on the legs when he's in turtle position. So imagine trying to stand up, especially if you're it's on the side that's against the cage. As you stand up, the leg that's attached to you has a 250-pound weight attached to it. You're not going to just stand up. And all Cyril's pathway is to stand up. He doesn't have jujitsu. He doesn't have these, he doesn't have like counter wrestling, if you will. His only path is to stand up. So John can be very patient and just burn him out. As Gon tries to circle back to the cage, all John does is almost, it's a knee tap. Typically in turtle position, you would reach across and tap the other knee to collapse them onto their far hip. However, in this fight, he grabs the inside knee and, um, you know, I'm just going to do this or inside hook, uh, heel hook, uh, or not, or inside he or inside ankle to collapse into the far, far knee. Let's just do this. Maybe I, maybe I just, da, da, da. So he grabs the inside ankle and tips him over. Fun, fun stuff. And from there, it's just getting to the next position in order for Cyril never to be for Cyril never to be able to gain his ground again. Is this even gonna give me? No, it's not. It's not going to even do that for me. Uh, maybe CBS has it. Anyway, that was also something really cool that uh, John was doing. Anytime Cyril would throw an outside leg kick, he would reach and throw his right hand. It is a typical MMA counter. It's exactly what you do in MMA. But for Cyril, he wasn't used to one the rain, like the reach. John is able to reach him as he's kicking. And two, the act of, oh, I'm I'm gonna shoot for a takedown, but also not. I'm punching you in the face. Do two at one time, because it can also lead to an ankle pick if you just push their weight back. These are just little MMA tricks that Cyril always always separates the he always like separates his opponent like separates the the game plan from his opponents. Right? He forces everyone into a kickboxing match. It's not that John is going to stand on the outside and kickbox. He's going to do that gray area. He's going to fight you. He's going to throw punches as he goes for a takedown. He's going to slip a punch like you would in kickboxing to achieve a takedown. So then from there, John just works to... Not even in here. Um, he works to... There you go. These are little... These are little small okay so here slips to the outside like i was saying body lock one of the strongest position hands together cyril starts to fight the hands but he can't because as he's falling he has to brace to the he has to brace himself as he falls to the ground you can fight the hands and then face plant sure or the natural human reaction as someone drags you to the ground base out 
So then from there, John uses collects the legs with his own legs. And then... Oh, so Cyril tries to get up, and then John laces the legs. And then John does what Henry Cejudo was telling him in that video, which John would have done anyways, but it's a good point. If you're going for the body lock, body lock, body lock, and they're trying to escape, they're trying to run as far you're behind them. They're trying to run out. They're trying to get away from you. If that's the case, their hips are so much, they're so forward and they're right. They're, they're so, they're trying to leave that if you just change the angle and meet their hips, then you can essentially sink them down just like here in this position where you just switch to a double because they're feeding you your they're feeding you the hips. You just have to make the adjustment and get them yourself. And now all their weight's going back. Typically, when they do that, you can sink them back. But John was so low on the hips, um, he would have had to just shoot the shoot his hips the other way. And that's how he got the takedown. And then from there, as Cyril is seated against the cage, instead of because at this point, this is Cyril accepting the takedown. If Cyril didn't want to accept the takedown, his left hand right now, the one that's around Jones's head, would have been pushing on his head and he would be getting his hips to the sky. Yeah, you're giving your back, but you have the cage there to nullify them from being able to completely take the back, especially if you use it to get your hips and then strip, strip them along the side. Using the cage almost like the ground. If someone has my back, I'm using the count ground to scrape them off my back and getting my my shoulders to the mat and then turning and facing them. Here he's he's accepted. His butt's on the ground. He's not fighting anymore. All John now has to do in order to advance the position is get to the next stop. And that's getting his hips above Cyril Gon's knees and then engaging his hips into Cyril Gon. If my head and chest, shout out to the great Faraz Ahabi, if my head and chest are above your head and chest, I will win every scramble. In order, and what makes the Dagestani so great is that's what they do. They get to the next position before you do in grappling, and that's how they made contr maintain control. Remain in control or maintain control. And also from here, I can see what's happening. I can look down at my opponent. Whereas my opponent is having to fight, and this is the concept of I'm drowning. Look, if we're in the water, and there's the water is, this is the water line, right? It's right here. It's like right at John's waist. That's where the water is. John is now alive. He's breathing. His head's above water. Cyril's drowning. This is him drowning him. Cyril needs to get his head above John's head. But John doing a good job, obviously, being the GOAT. Has Cyril's head pressed down. Tries to get the head choke or the, the guillotine choke. It's not working. But that's fine. What he does is he he lets it go for a quick second. Cyril then pops his head up to try to establish his base again. And then he's right back on it. <laughs> and then he gets the tap. I mean... As far as performances go, this is by far one of his best. Um, how quickly he... Uh, most people must have forgot. Uh, John is one of the best mixed martial artists of all time. If not, he is the best mixed martial artist of all time. Heavyweights don't really have mixed martial artists, right? A steep is probably the 
probably the most complete mixed martial artist, but even then he doesn't throw kicks. So what what are your comp what's your competition in in uh at heavyweight? It's a lot of just specialists and they're making their way through it. And so when you have a guy that people just don't remember that now has fire and a passion in him. Yeah, that's what it used that's prime Jones. That's what John used to be like. So that Dom Reyes fight, the the Thiago Santos, the those two fights, the ones that like actually gave him trouble. Those guys are faster. John's not the passion's not there. But this is the opposite. John's fast. He's got the pa- he's got the passion now, and it shows when he gets you down. I mean, so his jujitsu matches his wrestling. A lot of people have really good wrestling, but they don't have the finishing capabilities on the ground. John matches that. Anyway, so what's next for him? He's going to fight Stipe. I think that's a great fight. Um, I think he just smokes him. I think we see the return of the Hellbows. I think we see John post on his head just like Rashad. And then elbow him. And then get him to the ground. Half guard. Elbow. Elbow. Make Stipe's head bounce off the canvas. I I think it's going to be brutal. Um, Stipe's had time off, but Stipe's also not. Stipe's also older. He is a firefighter. He doesn't. He doesn't give a fuck about MMA like John does. John's everything Stipe is, but on top of that, he's also wants to be a martial artist. Stipe is a great fighter, great competitor. But that martial arts comp, uh, component, I don't think is there, right? He likes to box, cool. Likes to wrestle, cool. He embraces the grind. He's just he's a he's DC mentality. But I, I just think the the knees or the leg or the, the the kicks, the knees from John are gonna be the difference, and that's all gonna set up his elbows and takedowns and all that. And I think it'll be a great fight and. My thing is, John's beat wants to beat Stipe for Stipe being the goat of the heavyweight division because he he is he's had the most title defenses of all time uh, at heavyweight. Let's actually, I want to see how many title defenses, and this is the reason why I I'm wondering is because if Stipe essentially if Stipe or if John wants to, okay, he's got one, two, three. So, so three, he's got to defend it. John would have to defend it four times, and that seems like a that that does seem like a lot because. So his first fight would be against Stipe. If he wins that, that's one defense. Then what's next for him after that? Like who would he who would get up for who would he get up for for him to want to defend the title four more or three more times after that? But if he did, he would be the greatest heavyweight of all time on top of being the greatest light heavyweight of all time. If he beats Stipe, yeah, he does. I guess take that title. But at heavyweight, wins to me are more impressive if you beat a guy and then. I mean, I guess his last fight was pretty impressive against Cyril Gaon in, the, in that 
in that sense as a heavyweight. Because it was kind of like checkmate, right? If you kind of checkmate Stipe, then I'll give it to him. Then it's like no need for a rematch. But most heavyweight fights, you can argue for rematches because they either end in a knockout or something where you're like, oh, damn. If only. But uh, I guess... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, Francis versus Stipe wasn't really a... We could use... Oh, uh, no. Yeah, it wasn't like really we could use a rematch. He finally got one because he earned it. But it's not like we, we could have needed it, I guess. But yeah, John. I think John's prediction for this fight is pretty spot on. He's going to finish it before the championship rounds. I think so, personally. Um, Alright, so now that I've wasted a lot of time on that, let's talk about Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. I can't ever take credit for it because I'll always say bet against a very heavy favorite. But I will say, with Alexa Grasso, on the sense that I was correct was, her experience and that Mexican fighting, like the lack of getting deterred. But what I liked that she was doing, and it started all in that first round, she cracked Valentina twice. And I think that, I mean, you turned a, you turned a Muay Thai champion into a girl that was shooting doubles on you. Even if she didn't win the fight just through like sheer... Valentina taking her down and then holding her there. Because in that second round, she got her down and then she started getting into crucifix. And I was like, oh shit, this is over. Um, but everyone was talking, everyone's talking about the taking her back and everything like that. Bro, the work she put in. In that first round. She would... She would faint the hands in order to draw, like she would start punching out of range, right? But in a way where she's like, she's trying to like get her feet in, like she's punching out of range and Valentina's going like, okay, well, she's missing me or she's trying to set something up. So whenever Alexa would actually start to punch and step into range, it's like getting the car started, getting it moving. She'd punch into range. As soon as Valentina would throw something, Alexa would pull and counter and then close distance and then get the sh the power behind the shots. And then that's where those those bigger shots would come in. Um, let's see. Uh, And then the next two rounds were, you know, they were pretty, they were pretty spot on as far as, um, they were pretty spot on as far as, uh, as Valentina goes. She's really got one thing. Uh, the double leg was one, but it's really double unders and then a takedown. And she gets the side control and then she tries to get the crucifix. What I saw in this fight is exactly what what I think Alexis Corner saw, and that's just the, so right here, so yeah, Ooh. so uh, what Alexa also did was she was attacking in southpaw, she took away Valentina's kicks, Valentina's kicks are all the traditional tie kicking, right, you attack the open side with your power side, and then it keeps their hands, especially a boxer, nice and close, 
if I'm Valentina, what she should have been doing to reestablish her game is then if Alexa wants to switch Southpaw, switch Orthodox. See what I'm saying? Like you're never, never give them the, never give them that look. And then if you Orthodox, right? If Valentina switched Orthodox, then her power would be in her front. And then I would say, throw the, throw your rear kick as an Orthodox against the Southpaw to set up your left, your left hooks to the body or your left kicks, which are now your power side or which is now the lead side, but it are your power side is your power punches and kicks now just from the lead side. So this is what I'm saying. Let's, uh, let's bring that back. So, so, Okay. So right here, like I was saying, she's in Orthodox or she's in Southpaw. And that's why she was doing a really good job against Alexa, keeping her at kicking range. But then as soon as Alexa switched Southpaw, see how she's entering with her lead foot? Boom, she takes, she steps through, and as she clears that distance, she could pull the lead hand down if she wants. Very, very Usman versus Masvidal. I mean, this is Usman versus Masvidal one, and that cracked her heart. Right, boom, another one, and then out. Yeah, she takes a little bit of a leg kick on the way out. She uses that jab to close all that distance. Boom, look at that crack. Look at that. Chin to the other side. Boom. And then followed by the left hook. So that's where she was timing the t she was timing the right hands for the takedowns. But once again, you're making a wrestle you're making a striker shoot double legs. See the head's low? If I'm Alexa, if you're Alexa, you're pushing that head to the mat. That's how you that's how you wanna get that stand up going. But see now this is the difference. Watch this. Now Alexa's not stepping through. She's in range. She's head over chest. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but no. Or head over head over knee. But sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Boom. Look at that right hand. Connects. And then she's she would have been right back at that jab. She would have been pulling that weight back. She's getting away. So what what everyone the biggest, the biggest point of the fight was Valentina throws a spinning back kick and Alexa, just like John, closes distance and just immediately grabs a body lock. You know, between John and the Valentina or the John fight and the Alexa fight, John's not 125 pounds, so he didn't immediately jump on Valentina's back or on Cyril's back. But Alexa just jumped on her back using the body lock she just pulled herself up, and started immediately attacking the choke. Now, Valentina didn't fight the hands at all, but with the momentum, it's the same concept. Like, Cyril could either start fighting the hands, or he could face plant on the mat and get knocked out. Valentina chose, obviously, to protect her face. Hand plant, hand, 
hit the mat. And by that time, I mean, the choke was so deep that she didn't even try to, I mean, she didn't try to fight her hands at all, even then. But getting it so deep at that point, she's probably just hoping that since it wasn't underneath the chin, that it wasn't going to, it was going to be enough that, oh, I'll just survive. But no, once that hand starts getting behind the head and you get the rear naked choke in, it's a lack of like squeezing. I'm not squeezing my hands together. I'm not like squeezing. That's not the point of the choke. The point is if I get it deep enough, I'm going to use my back to start pulling your head and your neck and all that. So even if it doesn't choke, the compression I'm making from pulling using my back muscles and then also pushing my elbow down it doesn't have to be under the chin i'm gonna break your jaw i'm pretty sure there's a i think pretty sure davi hamosh broke someone's jaw in the ufc might not have talked about it i mean as far as the his opponent might not have said anything about it but i'm pretty sure he broke his jaw because it's just that strong like if you have the if you have the squeezing mechanics it doesn't matter if your chin's underneath and that's the difference i think alexa or i think valentina does a lot of work on how to maintain dominant on, dominant on top and how to be dominant. But I don't think a lot of her jujitsu's worked on like submission defense, submission offense. I don't think she does a lot of jujitsu. Alexa, I'm pretty sure is a purple belt in jujitsu. To become a purple belt in jujitsu, you have to be pretty proficient, if not, I mean, extremely proficient in the gi. And no gi, obviously, but you're doing a lot more jujitsu classes, right? You're doing... You're, you're getting your reps and all the finishing mechanics and... Like when someone uses their chin or whatever, that's a very blue belt, white belt thing. They're like, whatever, like go for it. Where Valentina, I don't think she's had enough time in the submission defense, like defense world. I think she's done a lot more basic stuff. Like how to defend the position before it gets there. But then Alexa Grosso is just like, I'm going to hit you with that position and where you probably don't get reps in it. Right from top, like right from back mount, like right from body lock to back mount. All right, so I mean, congrats to that three Mexican champions. So Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. I mean, I love that fight. Definitely fight of the night for sure. Shavkat, what I got to see from him is really mostly this, and he he get a, his finish was a little bit of a nod to John, but. What I'm going to give to him is this. When the tough gets going, Shavkat fucking loves it. And that's what I love about him is that when things got hard in Jeff Neal's fight, when he got cracked, when he got rocked, he would smile and he'd be like, that's what I'm here for. I love this. This is what I want. I want to fight. I was just finishing people before. Now you're giving me a fight. And he made it a point to finish him. Third round. I don't know how many seconds are left. But he finishes him. 17 wins, 17 finishes. Man's a menace. He's a problem for anyone in that division. Um, Mateos Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. Good fight. Yeah, takedowns really won him that. And then the Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. Obviously, there was like a... Obviously, there was like a little bit of a groin strike. and 
the ref, I guess, didn't see it. Sucks. And then Jamie Pickett wins by submission. Uh, yeah, it's just, it sucks. Because that, that's the fight game. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> they didn't stop it. Uh, Jamie probably deserved five minutes. For all you guys out there, you know. He said he felt like he was going to throw up. We all know. If it gets hit hard enough, you want to throw up. So, I get it. Just a shame. You know? It's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, other than that, Cody Garbrandt back in the winning column. And Drickus Duplicis beating Derek Brunson. I want Drickus versus uh, Paula Costa bad. Bad. He says he doesn't want that fight, or, like, Paulo lost his chance or whatever, but it's like, give me that fight, bro. Give me it. All right, before we get into this, let me go ahead and check out. Okay, perfect. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Right on time. Doing a lot of Jerry Seinfeld impressions right now. What's the deal? Uh... God. Wait, I was hugging Ian. He was bumped into by the man. Thought I was also hit. We were so close to go. The man wants to fight Ian, and I'm in the middle asking, does he know who? Well, that's pretty lame, dude, to be honest. It's a pretty, like, lame story. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. So, he's hugging the grandma that loves the UFC so much. She's... I get fans are great. And I get she's a loving old sweet lady. But why? You know? I get she's an old fan. I get it, dude. I understand the marketing potential behind that. Like, oh, look at this sweet lady. She loves UFC fighters. She's at every... She's at the PI every day waiting outside with signs for every single one of them to, to take pictures with. just don't just don't like care about that and so when she posts this it's like it's all clout chasing this is all clout chasing it's the most like in a sport where clout is just something that is done by the actions you do in the cage and ian get like that's what should that's what should be the story right they're taking a picture of him doing 
once again, something that McGregor made. Hey, guys, in the UFC, I know he made it popular, and he took it from someone else. But do something. Be your own person. Be creative. Right? Obviously, there's inspiration that Connor took from, I think Vince McMahon was the one that did the the noodle arm thing, the million million man, million air walk or whatever. But then he did it, and then all the football, it's like, either come up with your own thing or take inspiration from something else. I'll at least give it to Izzy. Izzy's not the first one to like the anime stuff, but at least he's creative. At least he's doing hand signs. He's writing a death note. Like, if you get it, if you know, you know. But Ian Machado is an Irish dude doing the Irish thing. It's like, dude, we've already seen. He's an Irish guy with girl tattoos. Like, we've already seen that. Not not the girl tattoos, but we've already seen the Irish guy doing that. Do your own thing. Also, not really that Irish. Lives in Florida. Trains in, trains in Florida. Not Mom, I want to watch Conor McGregor. We got Conor McGregor at home. That's what I have from this. He will be more, like, agmatic, I'm trying to think of the word, but point being, is he'll, I'll get on that hype train, I'll get on, like, I'll get on the Ian Machado hype train, I'll get on all that, like, like, I'll do all that, his performances are great, but once he finds his own, once he finds his own person, because right now he's trying to be the Irish guy. He's trying to be the Conor McGregor. Like he's trying to do all. He's trying to be the dad guy. Like he's trying to. He's trying to do all these different things. You got to be your own person. Otherwise, it's fake. All that looks fake to me. And in a sport where being fake isn't isn't worth anything, I just I'm not gonna get on the hype train. I'm just not. What gets me on the hype train is your sh- like Shavkat, for example. He doesn't speak any English. He he's pretty in the know about MMA culture and stuff like that and MMA news, so I'll give him that. That's pretty. I, I like that about him. It's almost like Fedorish. Like Fedor knows he just doesn't speak English and he doesn't really speak a lot. And then Shavkat's kind of that same thing. Like he doesn't speak English, but he knows what's going on in MMA. But how he wins me is like he shows up and he fights Jeff Neal and he has fun. And that's it. I don't. I don't need to watch his. I don't need to watch anything. I don't need to watch his interviews. I don't need to know about his life. I don't know whatever. Ooh, Misha Tate returns versus Myra Bueno Silva. Thinks that he. I agree. He needs time. He's only got four fights. He needs time. What? You're gonna start fighting the middleweight top top guys? No. No. He's even calling out uh, Chimaev, and he says he's gonna like make it look like what? What are we talking about? There's like a mentality that he also has to he also has to build. Wrestling mentality is great, but there's a fight mentality you also have to build as well. Because when the going gets tough in fighting, wrestling isn't obviously always the best option. 
especially if they know you're going to wrestle. It's instinctly in him to wrestle. So when he gets hurt, what's he going to do? And yeah, I mean, argument is like stop his wrestling. It's like eventually you're going to find people that are going to stop his wrestling. Or he's going to find out it's not that easy to just shoot from outside range. Like you have to close distance. And in order to close distance on somebody, think about the people that he would have to close distance on. Obviously. Marab details altercation with Petr Jan. What? Yeah, Akira. Akira. Usman versus Leon Edwards 3 coming up. Um, if you don't watch me, you should at least watch Dan Hardy's War Room. Yeah, Yasmin. Chick's so good. Jerry Prohashka versus Jamal Hill will be interesting. Must be nice. Look at those drinks they have. They have drinks in glasses at an event. That's how you know he's he owns that place. He has glasses at a sporting event. And the front row, he has glass. People don't understand. Yeah, yeah. You may bring in some viewers. You may have some YouTube followers. But you're not bringing glass into the front row of an, a UFC event. Connor's different. Carl, uh, Cron Gracie returns against Charles Jordan. It's a great fight. And also, shout out to Charles for getting that fight. It's actually a really hard fight for Cron Gracie. A really hard fight. Surprised I actually gave it to him. Meet the three fighters signed by the UFC in February. Kevin Lee. Who might fight Tony Ferguson too, which is kind of cool. His brother's like really TikTok famous. The other thing to break down is the Jake Gyllenhaal thing. Jake Gyllenhaal had a fake fight during before the fight, or in the middle of the fight. Oh. We'll see what that movie's like. That dude is wild. Uh, we'll see what that movie's like. A Jay Huron, for those that don't know, was the antagonist, the bad guy in that, in the all in like the fight, who was a former UFC fighter and fought Tyron Woodley. It's most notably known for that Tyron Woodley win. Ooh, let's see this.
Yeah, for okay, so Jamal Jamal Hill's talking about making making money as a fighter. Yeah, for like quote. Yeah, for like right now, I just like I'm building bridges, his answer. You know what I'm saying? I ain't nobody like that. I really like regardless of anything, regardless of the confidence I have in myself inside the cage, I ain't nobody like that, bro. I'm just another motherfucker for real. So I don't go out there thinking like even the influence I'm realizing right now. Okay, unquote. That's a lot of nothing. Um, okay, his plans. Quote, so like I could talk to some people, but I don't know much people are really going to listen. So I don't know. For the most part, as far as the fighters go, I just try to be cool. Get everyone, everybody to talk, to talk. You know, I'm open. I'm an open person. Uh, okay. Um, never mind. I thought there was going to be more to that, but that's just a whole lot of nothing. Okay. Never mind. Um, hmm. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Let's just go ahead and get to the fights. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry for quoting that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. So, fights to look out for. Tony Gravely, my buddy. Tony's fighting this weekend against Victor Henry. Both a lot of experience, Victor and Tony. 22 and 6, and then 23 and 8. Um, I'm always going to root for my buddy, Tony. I think his wrestling, his hands are phenomenal. Um, Bruno Silva's back to fight... Oh, no. Different Bruno Silva. JJ Aldrich versus Arani Lipsky. I like Lipsky, Queen of Violence. But I think JJ Aldrich is just going to be. Oh, maybe. Let me see their last fights. JJ's last fight. No, she lost to Aaron Blanchett. I'm going to go with Lipsky. See, I was getting those two confused. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with Lipsky. Um, don't know anything about that. Half Isle of Sunsal versus Davey Grant. 28 wins, dog. Half Isle of Sunsal, man. He's not an easy fighter to beat either. Cody got him on that, like, buzzer beater knockout, but that's not a... That's not a... That's, like, not... what is like that's not who he really is like he's a very hard fighter to beat and he's 40 though that's probably why 40 at at 135 jeez yeah he just beat victor henry oh, look at that. two takedowns six uh, i mean he's a hard fighter his 40 is like really hard at 135 though I'm surprised i wouldn't be surprised if he retired after this all right what else um Saeed Nurmagomedov, the next Nurmagomedov, fucking obviously, that's the guy I think is going to win. Ricardo Ramos versus Austin Lingo. I like Ricardo Ramos, except when he fought, except when he fought Adrian Yanez, uh, except when he fought Yanez. 
Wait, did he fight Giannis? Or am I thinking of someone else? No, he fought Giannis, right? I might be thinking of someone else. What are we thinking of? Well, that's crazy. Not, uh, yeah, I'm not thinking of, thinking of someone else. Um, Saeed beat Ricardo Ramos, yet he's fighting before. Oh, that was a okay weird. Okay, whatever. All right, whatever. Um, so then this one's interesting to me. Nikita Krolov versus Ryan Spann. They were supposed to fight, but then they just like threw him back on this card. Um, I'm gonna have to pick. I hope Ryan. I mean, I hope Nikita's feeling better. You know, should be. It's been like two weeks. I'm still going to go with Nikita on this one because I think his striking is just, and his finishing, I think his striking is just a little bit more tuned in. You know, he he has intention behind what he does, and he's got a little, he's got more versatility, more variety in his striking too. Um, Alexander Volkov versus Alexander Romanov, a battle of two Alex Russian dudes. But two completely different fighters. One is a wrestling bear, and then the other one is a uh, a striking Drago-looking character, right? Drago with kicks. I, I want to say Alexander Romanov with the win because of the wrestling ability. And the only person to beat him was Marcin Tybura in a decision. But he still got takedowns on him. I think... I think he's going to beat Volkov on that. On that. I mean, being younger too. Tom Aspinall got the submission on him. He's not going to sit there and stand and strike. He's going to mix it up. It'll make Volkov like hesitate a little bit more. Because when Volkov knows he's fighting a striker, he tends to be very aggressive and like be bigger. Like, he acts bigger. But when he fights someone that he doesn't know, if they're going to shoot on him, he tends to be, like, he tends to fight, like, a long, lanky, tall fighter, but tries to keep distance and stays on the back foot. All right. So, in the main event, Petr Jan versus Marab Dizvalashvili. Two hammers fighting each other. So, the question is, who's going to be the nail? Um, from what I've taken watching these guys fight, and I just recently watched some of their fights, I've seen Petr fight another hammer before, and he comes out being the bigger hammer. I've only seen Marab fight nails, right? Everyone that he fights, Jose, and even then people thought that Jose won that fight. The Marlon Moraes fight. The, what was the other one that I remember? Like, Ricky Simone beat you. Obviously, he's gotten better. But still. 
I think might be maybe the Cody Stamenman fight, but he gets hurt, like especially in the in the Marlin fight. He got hurt and comes back. With Petter, that's not going to happen. And also, I think the bit. Well, let me finish on that point. With with Petter, it's like you can he's going to hurt you. You can try to wrestle him, but he's going to just keep hurting you. And he'll use jujitsu. Jan has pretty good jujitsu, and if anything, he can create a scramble off of his jujitsu because he'll go for a submission, and a submission will cause create space and he's a very good scrambler and he scrambles with the best of like magomed um the tiger uh from bellator magomed magomedov i think that's his name anyway um he scrambled with the best of them he scrambled with aljo and i think aljo is a better control jujitsu person than marab i think marab is a very ground and pound oriented person but someone that can create a scramble he's not gonna he doesn't have that like jujitsu wherewithal. He's very like smash heavy. Put all of my eggs in that basket of smashing and wear you like a blanket. I think with Petrion, he's going to match him for power and strength where that's not going to be able to happen. And if he tries to, he's going to force him to shoot from range that he's not going to be comfortable with. And eventually he's not going to be comfortable shooting. I think and the, and the biggest aspect of this fight is the five round thing. Marab does really well against people that start very, very fast. Petra is not a fast starter. He systematically breaks and beats you down. And I think with Marab, he's going to be able to do that, especially over five rounds. He's going to methodically break him down, attack him in the parts that are going to hinder him from being able to just wrestle him. He's going to kick his legs. He's going to attack the body. He's going to make him, he's going to switch stance constantly, right? It's very hard to shoot on someone if they're switching stance. He's going to do it seamlessly, too, with his punches. That's another thing that Petr does very well, is that he'll start punching and he'll switch stance. So that way, when you're waiting for that, oh, I'm going to just shoot on his, when he throws that cross, when he's throwing his jab, and then he throws his cross, brings his weight back, or vice versa, throws his cross, then his jab, then, you know, steps through. Whatever the, whatever the shifting of his feet are, in those moments where you're like, oh, I'm going to just wait for the cross and then shoot in, it's not there anymore. It's going to cause a lot of problems for Marab. And I just do not think. That's the other thing. The whole mental aspect, the reason why I think Petr's like, he's the uncrowned champ in my opinion. The mentality, dude. He's from Serbia. And I know Marab's from Georgia, but he's from Serbia. And he still like hangs in Russia and where he's from. Marab moved, from, I mean, moved to the States essentially. He goes back home and all that. But, like, Petr is still that guy. He's still the the cold, calculated killer. He's not going to quit. The style doesn't make him want to quit. It just makes him want to punch him in the heart, face harder. And that's why I think Marab's going to win this, or Petr's going to win this fight. Is just, I think it's the lack of quit in him, and I think it's the, I think it's the ability to just, Stay in that pocket when things get tough and catch counter. The catch counters. Bah, bah, bah. I mean, that's how Marab got caught against Marais. He got he got caught in that gunsling thing where they both threw and uh, Marlin hit him off the better angle with the left hook. And I think those are the little things. Petra has a very good. He's got the master sport in boxing. He trains in Thailand, but at the end of the day, it's. That hard nose, no quit. 
you know, buzzsaw of mentality. And as much as Marab wants to steamroll through that, I think it's just very sloppy and not as technical. And I think that's going to cause him a lot of problems. Well, that's all I have for you guys today. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Once again, remember, hit that noti bell, hit that subscription. Come train with me, southernscrapnation.com, Southern Scrap Nation, Charlotte, North Carolina. You can also uh, reach me on my Instagram, Facebook, anywhere, Daniel Jonas, you know me. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If not, write a comment, uh, leave a review. Either way, like, press the like button. Press the dislike button, whatever. Ratio me, I don't care. Um, I'll be back after this weekend to break down the next weekend's fight card and to break down what happened this past week or this coming weekend. All right. Until then, enjoy. Peace.